Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey Dave. Yeah Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Chanot is a tremendously inventive guitarist, singer, and songwriter who currently lives in France. A one-time Toronto fixture who greatly impacted that city's underground music community, both in post-hardcore bands like Flight Camp and also within its improvised and odd folk ballad fringes, which he documented with his rat-drifting label, Chanot is an unassuming yet towering musical figure. His sixth album for Constellation Records is a gorgeous one called Slowly Paradise, which was released on March 9th, 2018, about a week or two before Eric and I connected for a conversation about its lyrics, love songs generally, the sound of Flag Camp, and much more. Sponsored by Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, and Planet of Sound locations in Ottawa and Toronto, this is the 389th episode of Creative Control, featuring Eric Cheneau, with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Love will be 
Eric. How are you? Hi, Vish. I'm fine. Thank you. <laughs> it's uh, nice to uh, speak to you uh, again. I feel like it's been a few years since we had a, a formal conversation. Indeed, it has. Yeah, it's it's great to hear from you. Now, where <clears throat> where in the world are you? Uh, right now, I am at home in uh, Saint-Ouen, France, just um, on the outskirts of Paris. Nice. Now, th- this is part of the reason I think we, we haven't been speaking as much lately. Uh, I would hope that's the only reason, frankly, is that uh, you are, uh, you've left Toronto for France. How long have you been in France? Uh, six and a half years now. Six and a half years. And, and what compelled you to leave uh, Toronto? You were very well established in Toronto, and I... Uh, we, mm-hmm. I, I will say we missed you. What what compelled you? We we do we missed you, and we continue to miss you. <laughs> Present tense. What uh, compelled you to leave? I fell in love with um, a French woman named Mariette Cousty. Oh, love, love did it. Yes, yeah. As simple as that. Was it difficult to? I, I feel like uh, I just had um, Off World on the show not too long ago. So Sandra Perry and, and Craig Dunsmere of Off World are on the show. And I made a point of saying to them, because they know you and, and they work with you and, and they love you, that to me, the city of Toronto feels a lot different without you in it. Uh, and I That's very nice. I mean, I think that's very nice of you to say, unless unless you mean that it's better. No. Um, that's pretty sweet. No, it, it, nice. it really does. It really feels different. You were a, a real force in that community, which, you know, I, I by extension felt a part of that community, even though I didn't live mm-hmm. there. Uh, and you were one of the people that made me feel uh, a part of something. So we, we, I just want to say on behalf of the people in, in Toronto, again, don't live there, but I think I can speak on behalf of them right now and say, you know, we, mm. we, we do miss you. Are, are there plans? Do, do you miss it? Do you miss Toronto? I don't miss the uh, geographic uh, space of Toronto, nor the city itself. But, of course, my friends, I miss uh, dearly, yeah. Yeah. I, w- I want you to expand upon that. You, you find, is this just, are you saying this in comparison to your your life in Paris? or No. No, no, no it's just... <laughs> I, I, I won't miss Paris when I leave it either. <laughs> uh, I, don't really, I don't really miss things like that. I mean, my daily life uh, can kind of happen anywhere. Um, there are certain things about Toronto that uh, I miss, um, and to say that I don't miss it doesn't mean that I didn't love it, because uh, I d- did and do. Yeah. But um, I'm happy here. Uh, I enjoy being in France very much. And, you know, things change, and my nostalgia is uh, specific to uh, people and um, not so much the the place. I mean, Toronto's uh, it, not unlike Paris. It's just another big city. Uh, yeah, yeah. There are obviously differences, but um, they're both insanely insp- expensive. Right. Uh, they both have good food, and um, so you know, you kind of it's not it's not that different actually. <laughs> Do you, how long had you lived in Toronto prior to uh, leaving? Thirty five years. Is that most of your life? That is most of my life, yeah. Or all of your life? Are you from Toronto? No, um, I was born in the United States uh, and then moved quite swiftly to Switzerland and, and spent uh, three years there and then moved to Thornhill, uh, north of Toronto, hmm. in 1976. Right. Yeah. Okay, so, so you, you are... 
You are deeply connected to Toronto and the in the area. Yes, for sure. Oh, yes, it's a, it's a it's a part yeah. of you. Do you can mm. you can you speak to that? I mean, do you feel do you feel like a Toronto person in Paris? Do you feel like a Canadian person away from home? No, not so much. Um, <laughs> uh, not so much. I mean, to be, I mean, I, I yes, when I first moved here, indeed. Hmm. Um, and there are cer- still certain things that probably on any given day I could feel like that. But uh, what would I say? I, I would say that, um, I mean, my days are very simple and very repetitive. And um, I actually don't need, uh, in fact, Mariette and I are now think are planning to move to the uh, south central France, to the countryside, hmm. because I spend a lot of time alone, either uh, playing music or reading or cooking or, or watching films. Um, so that those activities are not very different wherever I am. Right. But musically... Uh, I very much feel like a Torontonian, not a Canadian necessarily, but definitely a Torontonian uh, in Paris, because that music has um, the music that has kind of had the largest made the largest imprint upon me and continues to comes from there. Well, there's a the sense from Canadian musicians who travel uh, throughout Europe that they are as artists more greatly appreciated by audiences mm. and promoters and mm. and venues and whatnot uh, in Europe as opposed to Canada on some level. I, I have been among people, I think, who felt y- you yourself were, uh, as a solo artist, have been some mm-hmm. you know somewhat unappreciated uh, uh, in this country mm. and, and in this area. I wouldn't say that. I think that... Um you know, there's something about traveling that makes one. I mean, this was the basis of of Voltaire's uh, Candide, which is there's always the well, as you're traveling, you there's always the um, kind of knee jerk reaction to um, make associations or comparisons to where you are um, uh, from where you are to where you're from, hmm. and I think that one thing I've learned in the last six years is that. Um, this is a completely fictitious exercise um, <laughs> that that is best uh, a habit best broken. Um, there are. It is true that I mean, in, if we're to speak about Canada, it's a very, very, very large country with a small population, mm-hmm. and Europe in general is actually not that much uh, bigger than Canada in square feet you know i have no stats to back that up but a general last perusal of the of the of the uh the map um i think i remember that being true yeah if you look and, at a map it looks the, the, yeah you know, map, but, comparative but, yeah they look depends where yeah. you draw the, the the you know continental europe we'll say yeah and um i mean just in france alone um the amount of concerts that i can play compared to in canada for the type of music that i play is uh, quite a bit. Uh, there are quite a bit more places to play, right. and also being here, you have, you know, I can uh, in a two-hour train ride to London, or a you know two-hour plane ride to Madrid or Bologna or Zagreb or you know you name it. So there is a lot of places to play, 
all of a sudden with less distance in between. And so that's appealing for someone who enjoys uh, traveling and playing, as I do, Mm -hmm. um, to a degree. And uh, I can't talk about Europe in general because there is no real generality. In Toronto, I was able to uh, play more than I do here in Paris. Um, There's less, though it's changing, there's less of a DIY scene to lack of a better word sure. um, where you can you know play the Transac two or two two times a week that kind of thing doesn't really exist here hmm. uh, for me so that's one thing that I would note that is different potentially I, I probably feel a little bit more isolated in a way uh, but that suits my temperament fine as well. <laughs> <laughs> you do you feel isolated, but do you feel re- recognized? Do you feel that like you have recognition as a musician in in the area that you're in? Sure. Yeah. I mean, um, people are interested to a degree uh, on a, quite a small scale, but I'm, things are are going well, and. Uh, yeah, I, I, it's a hard question to ask, to answer sure. specifically, um, but uh, things are are going quite smoothly. I didn't feel underappreciated in, in any way. Hmm. In um, I mean, I have very low expectations <laughs> in general. <laughs> I think it's uh, a it's a fan's job, probably yeah. to uh, distinguish between under and over and adequate appreciation. Mm-hmm. It's not really an artist's mm-hmm. job to to suss mm. that out, you know? So I think mm. I'm talking to you as a fan, as a follower, uh, as someone mm-hmm. who has appreciated your work over the years. And so mm-hmm. I think your knee-jerk reaction, uh, is the kind of fan I am is uh, to assume that you have been done wrong and I need to <laughs> rectify the situation by spreading the word, well, you know? that's I, I promise you, I can tell you as the uh, subject that I, I have not been done wrong. <laughs> it's, okay. It's a sweet sentiment. <laughs> it is. I, I suppose it I, is. I promise you, if I have been done wrong, I live a completely unaware of that fact. Right. Okay. So, okay. all is good. All okay. is good. Well, I, uh, I appreciate you feeling those questions. Uh, just, you know, just I want I haven't uh, spoken to you. Yes, of course. Sometime, yeah. I, I didn't know the story, and I didn't know how you were doing. And you know, you spoke uh, rather eloquently <laughs> about there being, um, dif- uh, you know, about it being difficult to uh, to speak of Europe generally because it's it's all so different, yeah. so to speak. So I, I guess I, mm. I I wonder about things like, but at the same time, you operate as you say, sort of, the geographic area has little to do with how you function on a daily basis. So. Yeah. So I, I just wonder if yeah. you even experience things like culture shock. I have no idea. I, 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 oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're talking six and a half years in here. Yeah. Uh, the first two or three years were incredibly difficult, hmm. um, full of, of joy as well, but stressful um, on an integ- inter- integrative level. Hmm. Uh, um, I, things where I was very comfortable in Toronto potentially uh, one could say too too much so <laughs> if if that even means anything I, i'm not sure and there was a lot to do there you know having to get a new bank and a new and then all of the paperwork and hmm. france being 
quite a uh, fanatically bureaucratic country, um, even more so than Canada. Um, it, it was difficult, and doing all of that with very little language at my disposal when I came here. I, I barely I barely spoke French at all, and uh, so things are. You're we're we're speaking from the viewpoint. If we had had this conversation four years ago, it would had it would have a different tonality to it. Absolutely, yeah, I, and I can appreciate that too. Yeah, no, I, it's again, this is all a maybe a long winded way of saying how are you, and you saying yes, I'm okay, I'm I'm actually all yeah, right. <laughs> I am. I, yes, things things are good. Okay. I th- you know, it depends on the day, but. Uh, We'll speak in generalities. Yes, yes, we will. Now, I want to ask you about uh, this wonderful, wonderful record, Slowly Paradise, and it mm. it brings to mind um, the fact that you know you have been making music um, as yourself uh, and with mm-hmm. friends for some time in sort of in sort of this vein. I don't want to speak too generally of, mm-hmm. of, of your trajectory, but I'm curious about your relationship with love songs because I think some of mm-hmm. us know you as someone who didn't at least initially when we first heard of you in some mm-hmm. of your louder uh, incarnations yeah we wouldn't have mm-hmm. thought of you as a, a love song a purveyor of love songs where did when did your relationship with love songs so to speak if you had a relationship oh, when did that begin always. it's oh, always always the first music that i ever loved that i knew that i loved um and continues to be uh, the the first uh, single I ever bought was um, a, what was that? That was I know it. It is Diana Ross's "Upside Down." Oh, uh, which I, I actually listened to it not so long ago and realized that the, the lyrics are actually quite dark. But I, I'm not very good at picking up lyrics, so I didn't know that. But they actually are quite dark. Hmm. Um, I didn't think so. I thought it was an uplifting, uh, like you know, you make me feel upside down. But it wasn't so much. It isn't so much that the sentiment. But I always, always really did. And um, of course, in Flag Camp, that wasn't really where I was putting my energy um, because of the energy of the music and the energy of the milieu. Yeah. Um, but then I feel like uh, with Life Like Weeds, right after Flag Camp, with the duo with Gavin. We we got, we kind of instantly went a little closer to that, yeah. And that's when I started writing in in that way, lyrically and and melodically. And it's uh, it, there. I mean, I could speak about my why I love love songs as a form for hours and hours. <laughs> I, I feel like it's nice to hear somebody sing in in praise of something, hmm. and I think. In you know, to take away the religious aspect of, of praise, when someone is under the spell of something, it affects all of the senses, and uh, it, it alters you. It, 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 in a way, it's a bit of a psychedelic state. And when what the beauty of love songs, especially the love songs that that I, that I love very much from the American Songbook era, the initial kind of uh how would you say the 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 idea that they are <clears throat> that it is a love song um allows a kind of uh, uh, esprit a spirit to emerge that um where you can talk about little things like seeing a shadow in a weird way all these details look different when when they're in the form of a 
of a song of praise, I think. It allows for a lot of strange details to emerge that seem lighthearted and strange. Hmm. And that's one of the things that appeals to me, as well as just hearing the, the, the song of praise, which I, I, I like, saying that you, that you like something. You know, it's, a love song is, is, is not that far from having like a, like a, it's kind of like a, an abstract uh, top 10 list or something. You know, it's <laughs> like, I, I love this, I like that, I like this, I like that. And um, I think that's pretty interesting. I, I think that that's kind of limitless. You invoked uh, various phrases there, strangeness. Um, you talked about upside down having uh, darker themes than you recognized at the time. Yeah. You, mm-hmm. you, you kind of talked about weirdness. And and I think you talked about love. I mean, I think that's uh, those are all aspects of love that we can relate to, the kind of distortion, mm-hmm. that sort of psychedelic aspect of of a visceral reaction to it. Um, and and yes. like, within all of that, I feel like you've, in a sense, you've kind of captured your, your musical aesthetic in a nutshell. Your, your music <laughs> seems to, to really reflect when I hear mm. your love songs, I, f- I hear the confusion and the joy. I don't just hear mm. a direct path to praise. I hear questioning. I hear mm. wonder. I hear unsteadiness. And I feel like you've captured that, and you also you said something interesting that I want to get to when we I want to ask you about Ryan Driver uh, shortly. So don't let me forget that. I would love that. Yeah. I won't let you forget that. Okay, because you said you don't often pick up on lyrics, and that's why Ryan helped you write uh, some of the lyrics here. So I want to talk about that. But all this to mm. say, this is this is your milieu. This is your aesthetic on some level. Is searching, mm. I think, within your work uh, to figure out how love works and how love functions and why we react to it the way we do perhaps does that resonate with you yeah um i I, to continue what i was already saying it's it's uh some of the strangest films that i've seen all are love films in a way uh and i could name hundreds of them but probably not hundreds i could probably name a few uh i'm also a big fan of um japanese uh Chord poetry from the Middle Ages and um, and haiku and and those also deal with love mm. in in very contrapuntal ways where there are, you know there's maybe a couple lines about uh, a, a lover but then it just kind of focuses in on on a bird on a on, uh, in the snow or something and I think uh, that love songs being simple and knowable completely knowable in form allow you to push and pull a little bit. I mean, jazz standards are, are proof uh, of this. Um, How so? Uh, well, uh, just the way, the, the, the word play, and also the way that, that, you know, if you have a song like uh, Someone to Watch Over Me, um, which is a beautiful, beautiful love song, you know, it's not necessarily I love you, I love you. It's more... The it's a where do you put the energy of of a song instead of what are you going to talk about? So if, if you're going to talk about anything, hmm. and it see love to me seems like a, a never ending place to 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 begin um, some form of 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 opening your mouth. It seems like a a great reason <laughs> to you know it's simple. It's in some ways it's kind of dumb. And all of those things allow for a playfulness to emerge 
um, because it's just not that serious. Uh, even though it can be serious, it doesn't have to be taken seriously. Maybe, you know, and I think that all of those things allow for a playfulness. I think uh, love, in, in a way, is a place to experiment with your uh, imagination and your playfulness of your imagination mm-hmm. um, to be less rigid and more supple and, and taking yourself less seriously. And love really has an incredible, uh, and I don't mean this in, 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 when I'm talking about love, I'm certainly not talking about necessarily romantic love. Um, uh, it could, it, love has many, has many forms to it. And uh, I think you, it, it's a place that stretches your imagination, and I'm interested in music that that uh, stretches mine. Yeah. So, to me, it, it seems like a perfect fit, you know. Yeah. So, as a concept, you've mentioned that you're, you're not necessarily speaking about romantic love. So, mm. love is an open-ended concept for you. I'm just curious, and I don't want to uh, ask too invasive a question, but no, as, no. as a concept, does has love? Mm. Has love proven to be elusive for you? Are you still constantly... I feel like your examination, your experimentation with the, this notion of love speaks mm. to some... It speaks to an interest. I wonder if it speaks to a desire, an unfulfilled vision or, or idea of love. Does that mm-hmm. does that ring true? Well, okay, first of all, my I am I'm certainly... I don't write... Uh, the songs that I do in, I don't think they help me in any way uh, be uh, like a better lover or like, I, it's just not really like for me, it, uh, I like the, I like ballads. I like uh, soft, weird ballads. So I just kind of take the form and I like in that, in that form, I'm not necessarily looking at my own uh, life or, or anything like that, although obviously these things, uh, subjectivities always have a way of um, of uh, getting in there, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. leaving a, f- a footprint or whatever. But um, for me, it's about uh, the form itself. Uh, I would say all of my songs are not necessarily about love, but they are about love songs. Um, they're they're about the actual form of love songs. Yeah, they're play they're playing with it a little bit hmm. so, when they're good, you know. Some I wouldn't I wouldn't say all of it all of that all of that is, um, but it's playing with the form a little bit. It's like how much can you stretch it and still call it a ballad, or how much can you? What parts can be abstracted more? What which parts can seem strange? What kind of what kind of language can be? Uh, I mean, we're talking about lyrics here, obviously, but I mean, one of the main things is that um, to sing the way that I do, uh, it would be—I don't really know what other kinds of songs I would sing. To to use the voice that I do in the mel- the melodies that I do, I'm not really sure exactly what I would be. And I don't think all of my songs are actually even love songs. They just kind of sound like they are. <laughs> <laughs> they, they are they are an examination of the form, but they yeah. are presented in a way that is is odd uh, in terms yeah. in terms of the traditional aspects of the form. Like I'm just looking at the um, instrumentation you listed here. You're yourself. Mm-hmm. You're, you're accredited with vocals, electric and unamplified electric guitar, drum, various electronics, Ryan drivers, mm-hmm. uh, Wurlitzer 200A. And Marla Haledi yeah. is on spinning microphones. These are not your standard 
love yeah. song ballad. Uh, I mean, yeah. some of it is, I guess, but it's it, it, yeah. you have created these this off kilter world uh, for these songs, I think. Well, and so have they, in fact, because Ryan is obviously everyone out there. Um, knows that very well that Ryan is not that Ryan's music is not uh, I wouldn't call it the music the farthest away from what I do Mm -hmm. obviously there are differences but I think we share so much uh, there are a lot of things we love together Um, and Ryan has uh, proven himself to be uh, a faithful uh, lover of the ballad himself having played them yeah, every last Friday of the month at the, the at the Transac with the Ryan Driver Sextet and his own his own music amongst many 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 other things, um, and Marla, being a visual artist, sound artist, has also dealt with um, balladry, uh, having used um, waltzing Matilda in a piece uh, sung by I don't remember I think I think pretty sh- June Tabor and and Tom Waits and. Uh, and maybe um, uh, Shane McGowan, maybe, mm-hmm. uh, as versions. Um, and Anne Briggs, um, she uh, moved through the fair. So uh, so Marla has also used, uh, so all three of us mm-hmm. uh, were, you know, we're ballad happy. <laughs> and, uh, and um, yeah, so uh, that's a shared uh, commonality. Oh, it's a shared commonality with, with many friends of mine, yeah, and, and also to to take as you as you alluded to earlier to to push the form to push the ballad, yeah, into some direction that it might. Again, I, I try to suggest. I'm trying what I'm trying to suggest, or what I tried to suggest earlier is there's there's a certain, and I mean this with with great reverence. There's a certain discomfort in your music. There's a certain <laughs> sense that as much as I I can get direct meaning from it, it feels. It feels strange. It feels woozy. You know what I mean? And and that that's yeah yeah. What I was trying to say earlier is that's kind of what love feels like to some of us. Um, a woozy, strange. I guess it. Yeah. But you said uncomfortable. Uh, and for me, um, uh, woozy and drunken and and all of that are very comfortable. Yeah. Uh, for me, um, and others, I would hope I can't possibly be alone in that. That would be. Uh, with the billions of people in the world, that would be somewhat strange. Um, I think that a lot of music that uh, a lot of people f- are more are more, find more readily, uh, easily to, to listen, easy to listen to. I, I find more uncomfortable. Um, it's well, rigidity. Yeah. Um, it's power. I find I find uh, power in music um, uh, and and heavy dynamics. Um, things that make me uncomfortable. Uh, I'd listen to a hell of a lot more classical music if they would stop playing with the volume so much and and you know uh, with the would it get soft and then loud and that's and, you, what, uh, what and rock music has a similar problem. Yeah, what you're saying is true. I had this record, uh, your record, Slowly Paradise, playing on repeat mm-hmm. on a Sunday this past Sunday, and I mm-hmm. we just had it in the house, so the kids and and my wife were all just milling around, mm-hmm. and it just would play, and it. I, I will I will contradict what I said earlier by suggesting I thought it offered it certainly set a, a mood and a tone and I found it mm-hmm. kind of soothing I have to say no yeah there you go soothing camp don't tell me soothing's uncomfortable I find <laughs> I find feeling I, I find being soothed completely uncomfortable I don't like it 
Uh, you don't like massages? Uh, some I do actually. <laughs> I don't necessarily find them soothing because they're usually being conducted for some medical. Like I, ah, I got a pain. You know what I mean? That's when I go in. I don't just go when I'm. That's a maybe too much about me in a reclined position. But let me just say, I enjoyed playing your record. Uh, I've been enjoying nice. playing your record around the house. And yeah, now I did say I wanted to talk. Uh, sorry, I should point out that my line of questioning is not simply informed by the sonic aspects it is lyrical and uh yeah of course and i want to yeah, yeah. i want to jump They're, back to it's what all I, the same yeah. it's all the same i mean the, my interest in lyrics are the, is, is it's all it's for me it's it, it's all coming from a kind of a, a general uh idea of of what i like and those and those things are abstract and yet particular to each form, whether it's melody or lyrics. But they they share very many things in common. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, when we're talking about lyrics. We could be talking about my guitar playing as well. It's well, and your lyrics are are they they manifest themselves in your phrasing, in in your tone of voice, mm-hmm. in your singing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all it's a happy. Uh, it's a happy marriage, I suppose. Is uh, not to delve too far into marriage. I, I don't know why I went there. Romance, love, marriage, but I do. Marriage is a beautiful thing. <laughs> it is. <laughs> so one of the things that strikes me, and, and I think this might be a good entry point into how your work with Ryan on these lyrics yeah. uh, came came to be. But one of the things mm. that strikes me as I as I look at the song titles on their own, and then delving into the lyrics, "Bird and Moon." Uh, yeah. An abandoned rose. Uh, mm. What else do we have here? We have wild moon. Um, there's an elemental aspect mm. and a recurring, like a repetition of uh, even slowly paradise, uh, sort of recurs in a sense uh, uh, with a with a different uh, instrumental version. So there's there's this mm-hmm. there's this repetition, uh, and there's also this elemental. Uh, aspect uh, that is connected to uh, the, the love song and about not unusual on some level, but can you speak to that? What were you, what were you and Ryan mm. sort of trying to convey by connecting love to the earth and <laughs> and and, mm. and creatures and whatnot? Well, I can't speak for Ryan because we really didn't write the collaboration was um, absolutely um, we didn't talk about anything uh, at all, mm. uh, which is actually. In a way, kind of very, I would say that that encapsulates my musical relationship with Ryan in general. We don't really have to talk about stuff. Hmm. Um, one of the things I love about him, about working with him and, and playing with him, I think there's a kind of, uh, there's a space that just works between us. Uh, but basically, uh, to try to make this really brief, because I've said it a million times already, but is that what happened was... I, I wasn't. I had the lyrics for the for the record, and I didn't. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I thought they could be, I thought they could be better. And... Um, I'm lazy. So I love, I love how Ryan, I love Ryan, I think is, is the best lyricist alive right now. Um, bar none in English, because I can't speak for, um, other languages that I don't know. Sure. Um, I, I really do love his, his, they're surreal and they're, they're light and they're strange. And um, he also uh, started this practice many, many years ago uh, for the Ryan Driver, which was a quartet at that time, um, translating. Uh, he The first tune he did, I think, was a Zilia Barbosa tune. And he just took the sounds of the words in Portuguese um, and made English versions of them. He, uh, To the best of my knowledge, he does not speak a uh, many words of uh, Portuguese. So it wasn't the um, it wasn't the meaning or the intent of the lyric. It was the phonetic. It was just the way they sounded. The phonetic, yeah. exactly. Hmm. And I knew that Ryan uh, had done this, and, and I know that that this song, and he, I think he had done it to some others after. I'm not really sure. That one for sure. And I thought, oh, this is a great opportunity to try that out. Mm -hmm. So what I did is I sang the uh, lyrics, I sang the the lyrics of the song, I mumbled some, and I mum and some I mum, I, I, you could almost hear what word, and sometimes not some phrases that I was content with, or just uh, failed to mumble, uh, were, were, were clear. And I sent it to Ryan. And uh, asked him to translate that, or to you know, I didn't actually say, "Can you translate that?" I said, "Can you work with this and and write me a bunch of lyrics?" And so he did, and he listened, and some he just used what I had written, um, and then wrote, and some words or some phrases were were clear, were too clear to be able to translate outside out of what they were originally um and others were were different uh yet they all fit the song perfectly because he was listening to me sing Hmm. so phonetically rhythmically they all worked uh and they were incredible and they were really uh very funny uh to me in in the most beautiful strange way uh (laughs) then what i did with them is i took the those lyrics and just to further complicate the situation, I started to eliminate some and write in a kind of Greek chorus, if you will. So like if the first, uh, like, okay, per- perfect example is the first is Slowly Paradise, what they call the, the title track. And uh, <laughs> it is uh, the first lyric is uh, summer is gone. Then Ryan had written some things. I erased those things and put um, or attachment to the seasons wind up at unwound. 
So that, in, and if you look at it on the lyric sheet, it's in parentheses. Yes, I see it now. It's, at, it's almost, I'm, so I'm kind of talking to Ryan's lyric. So Ryan's saying summer is gone. I'm saying, well, maybe it's, it, it's not. It's like a fact check comment. Maybe, yeah, it's like maybe it's this that you're feeling. And so it was kind of like a ridiculous conversation, but I wrote it in uh, using a very, very uh, abstracted use of the Greek chorus where the protagonist in a Greek tragedy says something and then the chorus behind it goes, oh, he doesn't seem to be enjoying this much. <laughs> so, And I was like, I'm going to do that. I want to be that Greek chorus. I love the Greek chorus. I think it's a beautiful form. Um, and, uh, I decided to push that, that form. I mean, the Greek chorus has a very, has historically a very specific, uh, function. Um, it's supposed to, to let the audience in on things that they weren't aware of that are being spoken by the main, um, protagonists. I didn't really, I didn't stick to that part. I just kind of little asides and little questions to complicate some of the sentiments that were being explored in what Ryan had sent me. So there, there are questions that pepper the songs here. I almost mm. every song has a definitive question. Uh, in in Bird and Moon, was it the mm-hmm. wind? That's why it seemed mm. a warmer night. Uh, and and within that, there's there's more questioning. You know, mm-hmm. like you say, summer's gone or attachment to the seasons wind up at unwound or is it a breeze? And then there is mm-hmm. a song called Abandoned Rose where there is just this why, who, why, what has found me? You know, what has found me? There, there, this, where are we to not be wrong? <laughs> they're, they're very fascinating and deep questions, I think. And mm-hmm. I'm curious if you can speak to where all of that questioning kind of comes from exactly. Again, I... Oh, I yeah, yeah, yeah. I find questions and songs really hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really do find them really hilarious. To and especially when, uh, like when, the, or is it a breeze, which is kind of a almost barely a question. <laughs> I, don't even, I don't even know if there's a question mark after that. Is there? There is on the lyric sheet. I'm oh, there is. At. Okay, so yeah. it's it's a question. Yeah, it's a, it, uh, yeah. But uh, like, I like the idea that it, it's basically playing with the idea of believing the subjectivity of the singer. So you have, um, I'm a singer songwriter, and so you have a singer songwriter, and they're like the 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 night was i don't know uh orangey <laughs> and you have to believe it yeah you know it's like okay the night's orangey but what if the subject didn't really you know know wasn't so sure of anything yeah and was kind of like oh or maybe it's that or or and i find it kind of it it strips some of the power away from the questions strip the subjective power of the singer and um you know not always like when the who go who are you i find that to be offensive because <laughs> <laughs> i'm because they're talking to me they're they're who are you it's like i would never do that i, I would see. never do that to anybody i don't first of all i i i can't imagine that anyone wants to be asked who are you so, so your position maybe, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the the narrator, the songwriter, the subject of the song, the protagonist of the song is often processed by the listener as this omnipotent 
force, mm-hmm. and yet you yeah. you're trying to portray or not trying the, these songs portray the uh, the narrator, the songwriter, the protagonist mm-hmm. as being just as uncertain about things as some of us mm-hmm. might be. Is that the notion? Not yeah, it's also separating the words from the singer because some of these questions come out um, and they aren't necessarily, it's, uh, this is one of the things also that I love about uh, jazz ballads is that the almost all of the time, most of the time, the singer didn't write the song. Yes. And so there's a, there's a remove. That, that remove allows for a playful beauty to emerge and I feel like some of these um, questions that disrupt the form of what might be uh, considered first-person uh, self-expressive material, I think these questions uh, make it very hard to argue that these songs are, uh, are, are within that form. Right. Um, uh, they are not the expressions of the singer. They are the singer is singing words that were written by an, another hypothetical person or or a being. So it's a bit of fourth wall destruction. It's a little meta on some level. It's, it's a little meta, yeah. Yeah, which is interesting. It's fascinating because yeah, I mean all. I mean you know all. Uh, it's just being playful. It really is. It's not. It's not that complicated. It's certainly not that smart. I just really think that that music's at its best when it's playful, which doesn't mean that it has to be fun. Uh, but I like playing around with something. I mean, yeah. why not? You know, yeah. there's there's already so much music out there. No one needs to do it anymore. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, the the stakes are are low. You know, you just kind of we, we no one's gonna no one's gonna be harmed by you fucking around with something. <laughs> So you know there are certain things that 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 the stakes are quite high if you start fucking with um, you know, social welfare mm. in certain ways um, that could have you know or if you know you start you know f- you know uh, experimenting with uh, voting for insane human beings in the United States that's going to have real uh, impact on people's lives. Um, so songs are and and art in general are a place where we can uh, play with things in a somewhat safe environment, I think. I'm just curious if, if your, your, your approach to exploring more playful aspects of songwriting is in any way a reaction to what you see as an absence within the form. Do you think music has, and I don't want to speak too generally, but is this an observational reaction? Like, I mean, everyone's taking themselves way too seriously. I'm going to try to no. play around here. I'm not trying to fix anything. Uh, <laughs> I, there's lots of great music. I, 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 I'm just, there has to be a reason to want to do something. And most of the reasons uh, for me wanting to do anything have to do with playing around with something. Yeah. I don't think that, that everyone takes themselves, to, I mean, I take, you know, every, every, anyone at any given moment takes themselves too seriously. This is, you know, Life's hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it, it is, and and, tough, and it's a serious time. Um, serious times. It feels very serious. I I want to ask one last 
lyrical question because even just yeah. hearing it was different than reading it on the uh, lyric sheet, which you've made, mm-hmm. by the way, your album cover is the lyric sheet, yeah. which is really cool. Lots of words. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, yeah, the, the, the person that I that I decided to move here for to live with, she she does all of my artwork, all of the artwork. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, it's it's cool. It's great. I, that uh, was her idea. Yeah. Yeah. She's it's a great. nice one. Um, I want to ask about this. There are dreams we call the breezes. So on the mm-hmm. on the lyric sheet, the breezes is italicized. It, it suggests yeah. it's a it's a thing. <laughs> what what is the what is the breezes? Well, I don't know. <laughs> a, is it a is it a novel? Is it a film? Is it's it... ridiculous. This is like it's like well, it's because it's kind of sung as as if uh, well, as you know. There are dreams that they call the breezes. <laughs> I mean, the, I think that that that's a that's a that's a world that is not worse than the world we're living in. To say, oh, as you know, there's oh yes, he did you have uh, did you have one of the breezes dreams? <laughs> like I just that it's it's um it's beautiful. Yeah, uh, and Ryan and Ryan wrote that. You know, Ryan wrote that that line. So. I, I, and that's uh, right up his. Uh, it's very surreal. Um, it, it's very simple. It's yeah. a very simple bunch of words that disrupt many forms of knowledge. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> it's very. Uh, I love that. I love that that line very much. Yeah. yeah right, no, it's right. good. It just like I say on the page. Uh, just so people are clear mm. here who are listening, the breezes is not only italicized. The is capitalized. It very much looks yes. like its own it's entity. Like, Yes, it's a, it's a it's a, a title of a uh, form of dreaming, of dreams. I, I, yeah, I've never seen that before on some level, well, and that that's very fascinating. Maybe, but maybe now you will be able to know uh, when you wake up in the morning whether you have had um, a dream uh, that is of the breezes form. <laughs> well, I will I will look forward well, to that. Actually, it's not too late. It's yeah. not too late. You could be dreaming the breezes every night. Yeah, no, I, 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 I could. I probably am. I don't even know it. I probably, I definitely will be tonight. I think just based on this conversation, for sure. Yeah. We alluded to earlier, or you did, I guess, to your 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 old band, Flag Camp, and um, this this is sort of out of left field, but it feels like uh, louder music, music of that era, that vintage. Uh, it's been reappreciated, and there seems to be. I'm seeing younger bands who seem to be finding such things on YouTube or something, and and yeah. and, and and playing music like you used to play. How far removed are you from that sound at this point in your life? I don't know. Do you listen? To, do you listen to loud music? Yeah, sure. I listened to what was what was the last? Um, well, I listened to a lot of hip hop. Right. So it's differently loud. But it, like sure, I listen to this heat a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh the Rolling Stones. Uh they're pretty loud, I think. Yeah, they can um, be. Yeah, yeah. Uh a lot yeah, I listened and maybe not I didn't really listen to it that much when I was playing it. Um, yeah, I suppose that's probably a more accurate question. How how much yeah. of the music that you used to play would yeah. still enter your life at this point? Like your your ears, I suppose, specifically. Well, I listened to a lot of the same music because uh, at that time, when we were in Flight Camp, I was listening to a lot of reggae, a lot of bluegrass, and a lot of jazz. Right. Uh, Gavin, the drummer, uh, 
that's not his last name. His name is Brown. <laughs> he was, a uh, he, he was a, just a jazz fanatic. So you know, and we were very very close. So I was listening to a lot of jazz with him, uh, a lot of Eric Dolphy and things like that. Yeah. And uh, but for, uh, a lot, I was listening to a lot of bluegrass and 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 reggae music, both dancehall and uh, and roots. So you're uh, you're right. distinguishing the fact that while you were in flight camp, which mm-hmm. uh, was a, a fairly aggressive sounding, uh, you know, whatever, very loud, post hard, yeah, post hardcore band, if if you will. Yeah. While mm-hmm. you were in that band, you weren't really listening to other bands mm-hmm. or artists that sounded uh, like your uh, band. No, I, I, at that time, what was I listening to? I was listening to the Gang of Four. Um, uh, I was listening to the Cocteau Twins a lot. They're not very loud, are they? No. Uh, the, the Jesus Lizard? Young, guy, the Jesus. Jesus Lizard, yes. Yeah. Okay, there we go. Yeah. And then that whole Chicago uh, scene and Slint and stuff, I listened to that. Yeah, right, for sure. Right, right. Um, And uh, No Means No and the X. Right. Uh, and then the Slits and oh, the British, British post-punk I adored and still do. I listen to it a lot, actually, still. So I, I guess right. So the point I guess of the question really is that I'm seeing a lot of people who have moved on, who were involved mm-hmm. in those kinds of sounds, move on, but I'm seeing a lot of them come back, and it's mm. it's sort of curious. And by and large, I've seen them um, play that kind of music better than they ever played it because mm, like who? Uh, well, the Jesus Lizard for one. When I went to the yeah. reunion tour in like ten years ago or whatever it was. I thought, mm-hmm. my God, like I saw that band a bunch of times. They seem better. They seem more relaxed with themselves. I just saw mm-hmm. Hot Snakes in Detroit uh, a couple of weeks ago and, and saw mm-hmm. them back in the day. And I thought, man, like the social dynamic, the wisdom, uh, uh, you know, the age, the kind of, I think that sense that time is a little precious, it just all seemed to inform the urgency of their mm-hmm. music more. You know, this is not mm-hmm. something to be trifled with. So mm-hmm. that, that's all it is. I, I see it from time to time. Uh and I think, mm-hmm. wow, like the, there's a there's a sense of because I think a lot of that music was made when people were I'm speaking generally, but I think your emotions are more fraught when you're younger. Yeah. And you kind of have a better <clears throat> yeah. sense of yourself as you get older, which mm-hmm. kind of lends your craft more focus on some level. So mm-hmm. all, all of this to say, I just wonder if you're ever compelled to play uh, louder um, than you do now. No, not in that form. Nope. I don't like playing loud at all. In fact, I was, uh, I was, uh, recently asked to do an, to play some improvised music with some of the, um, folks from Wolf Eyes. Right. And I, I, I couldn't do that. Too much. I mean, I don't even know if they always play loud or I, I saw them once and it was really loud and very good. Right. Um, uh, but uh, I can't do it. I don't like it. I don't like <laughs> it at all. I don't want. It. I don't want to play loud uh, at all. I love. You know, if if Perubu came to town, I'd be there in a second. Right. Um, I love it, but I don't want to play at that volume um, ever again. Is that a is that a physiological impulse? Like to just be yeah, like, I can't. It hurts. It hurts, it hurts to yeah. do it. Yeah, it hurts my ears. I don't like it, and the, um, and I I don't really I can't improvise uh, very loudly, um, 
without just kind of squawking, right. or whatever you call that. Right. And um, I don't really like to play music where I'm not improvising uh, very much. Hmm. So less so now than when I was younger. Um, so that's also a factor. Okay. Well, I appreciate uh, that answer. I just was curious. I think some people. Uh, mm-hmm. You're see, you're you're aware of this, right? Like a lot of these. Oh yeah, these... no, they just re-released the Flakehead records, the Brave New Waves. Uh, that's just all been re-released. Like I think this month or something. Oh, I didn't know about that. Who's who? Yeah. Who, who re-released and, it? Um, there is somebody going through all of the Brave New Waves uh, archives, <laughs> the Brent Banbury Banbury years. Yeah. Um, and releasing all of those recordings that the brave new waves um sponsored and the flight camp one is done and released i saw a photo of it actually uh, is, it a phys- is it a physical release or yeah physical cds oh i don't, I don't know if final or, or not but i'm not sure but cds for sure and it's the the bbc art uh version uh record which is by far the best thing that that band ever, ever did much better than the than the record that came out on cargo so wait, the, the you're saying the BBC record is also coming out or did come out? BBC record came out. It came out. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It was released by Ouroborealis um as called Repeat Until Change oh. many years ago. And now the archives have it's been remastered by uh one uh, uh Harris Newman. Oh yeah. Who is uh, some people out there might might know very well, uh, and yeah, it's it's been re-released. I'm 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 quite um, pleased about that. So the, those sessions were recorded. Uh, the so so the Brave New Waves one and the BBC ones. Mm-hmm. Where where were they? Oh, not BBC. Sorry, not BBC. Oh, that's why Brave I was okay. <laughs> that's why. I, okay, yeah, yeah. That, I confused you. You have to realize we're, I'm at seven o'clock here, Paris time. Right. It's usually the time of day where my brain is not working. Uh, quite uh, as as you'd wish it. Would. No, no, that's fine. So sorry, you were saying that the uh, the Brave New Ways CBC sessions were were notable, yes. uh, more notable than the actual Flight Camp records that that came out. What why what made that session so special? Um, I think we just were a little less stressed out about making a real record, so we made real music. Right. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Okay. So so the, does the interest in that sort of thing baffle you? No, no. I mean, you know, it's uh, people get interested in things. I mean, I'm interested in things that happened well before 1992, mm-hmm. um, and <laughs> discover things that are older. and And there's a remove to finding things that that happened at a different time, uh, which probably, um, in some ways, uh, speaks to the reissue madness yeah. uh, happening in the world. And I don't think that's bad. I mean. It, it's it, I think it's great, you know, as long as people don't fetishize yeah. um, and dehistoricize the the situation, uh, I think it's fine. It's great. That's well put. All right. Well, uh, Eric, what is next for you per se? Uh, this record uh, is uh, is out via Constellation Records, and uh, mm-hmm. we can tell people that they can go to cstrecords.com for more information about it. And I assume you're touring and doing such things. Are you? Oh yeah. Yeah. I got like, uh, 40 dates coming up. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, my goodness. Where, <laughs> yeah. well, where will they bring you, so to speak, uh, generally? All over Europe. All over Europe. Right. 
and then hopefully back to your neck of the woods uh, in the fall. That's what I'm hoping. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. That's great. Well, is there any one song that you would choose for us to go out on here? Uh, and I don't mean to lead you this way, but I, I, I neglected to mention or ask you yeah. about the Wild Moon video, uh, yeah. which is a fun one uh, <laughs> yeah. and seemed fun to make. Uh, again, I... I, I no, it wasn't fun to make. <laughs> it wasn't fun to make. Okay, yeah. I faked it. I faked it. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I do, uh, regardless of your choice here, I would like uh, people to know that if they go to cstrecords.com and look under the uh, the biographical information for this record, Slowly Paradise, they can watch this great video. It's on YouTube as well. But all that to say, uh, Eric, is there a song from the record that uh, you, you feel we could go out on that uh, maybe captures uh, any aspect of our conversation well? Well... Yeah, what what song, what did we talk about the most? We talked about lyrics of Silly Paradise mm-hmm. and um, the lyrics of There's Our Love. That's right. So why don't you choose one of those? You want me to choose? Okay, it's on me. Yeah, because you, you know your audience. <laughs> yeah, but I, I like, uh, it's true. I, I like, I like, I find the, the artist's I choice. I it down. I, I, you I did, you, you did. And I, I'm, I'm compelled to go with There's Our Love. Um, All right. I think we should go with that one. Is there anything more you want to say about that one? No. That is fair. That is a fair perspective on that song, and we'll play it now so people can judge for themselves. This is There's Our Love by Eric Cheneau from his uh, beautiful and excellent new record, Slowly Paradise. Uh, Eric, it was a pleasure to speak with you again, and I thank you for being on the show, and best of luck with everything going forward. Thanks, Thank you very, very much.
the 389th episode of Creative Control featuring Eric Cheneau. Thanks uh, to Eric for being on this program. It's nice to uh, be able to spend time with him again. We used to chat uh, quite a bit, and we haven't uh, talked as much since he moved to France. So, yeah, uh, it was really, really fun. Thank you, Eric. Uh, And yes, this is the Creative Control podcast, which is available on the Entertainment One podcast network and is available on all iOS and Android platforms and also on things like Spotify and Audioboom. So listen to it there if you if you like. Why not? 
If you can't find an episode of the show that you've been looking for, for some, you know, I don't know why, sometimes things go missing, sometimes the, the feeds only go so far back, that's fine. All of the episodes that you could possibly want of this show are on my website, vishkana.com, and if you want to go there, you can also sign up uh, for my regularly scheduled newsletter and learn more about me, V-I-S-H-K-H-A-N-N-A.com, vishkana.com. You can like uh, the Creative Control page on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter at Vish Creative or follow me at Vish Khanna. Also, listen to a radio show version of Creative Control on Wednesdays at noon Eastern Standard Time around the world at CFRU.ca or on an actual radio at 93.3 FM if you're in or near Guelph. Also, thanks to everyone who's gone to patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation to keep the podcast going. It really does mean a lot that you do that, and it really does keep the show going. So thanks to those of you who do it. And if you haven't done it yet and have thought about doing it, again, patreon.com slash creative control to keep this podcast going. I'd like to thank uh, some of the uh, the uh, the businesses that support this show in various ways. Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph. Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton. And Planet of Sound, which has two locations in Toronto and one in Ottawa. All of them support the show in their own way. So thank you very much to you folks for doing that. I'd also like to thank my old friend Jim Guthrie for letting me use uh, an instrumental version of his song, The Rest Is Yet To Come to end this show each week. That's the music you're hearing right now in the background. I'd also like to once again thank all of you who listen to this show regularly. And if you're new to the show, welcome. Thank you for checking out the program. If you can, uh, give it a nice review, a positive review and a positive rating on whatever uh, platform you're using. And also downloading episodes of the show and, and just telling people about it if you like it. That would be that would be great. Thanks for doing all of those things. That's all I have to say. I will talk to you very soon. Goodbye for now. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.